is up, X's and T podcast fans. We're back at it again with another episode. Like always, I always want to say thank you for coming back. Thank you for your interest because I love the fact that we here as a community can support each other. And it really has become an incredible community. And I just have to say shout out to anybody who is in the X Amway Facebook group that was pioneered by Zay and Melody. And if you're still in there advocating against Amway, against Worldwide, against any of these lines of affiliation, these tools, businesses. I am so proud of you and I'm so excited that you guys are here and supporting everyone. So with that being said, I guess you can tell what our episode is going to be about today because we're back at it again talking about Amway and these tools organizations. Like always, your girl's not trying to get sued. So disclaimer, Amway is just a distribution company. We're not here to beef on them. That's their that's their place. My beef, my guests beef, most people who are against Amway, their beef is mostly with these LOAs, these Amway motivational organizations, these these really toxic cult-like environments. All right. This is purely based on personal experiences. We're not out here slandering people. We're not out here trying to hurt people. Okay. We have a truth and we're allowed to speak it. So with that being said, again, don't sue me. Don't see my guest. So with that being said, I have somebody who I'm so excited to bring on because we have yet another line of affiliation that we've really kind of touched on. But this person was in Brit Worldwide. Brit Worldwide is what really started it all. What started Worldwide Dream Builders, LTD, URA, all of the other Amway lines of affiliation all really stemmed from Brit Worldwide. So my guest, her name is Meredith. And you guys... Let's let her have it. Welcome, Meredith. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, you know, these are all of our opinions and our stories of what actually, you know, happened to us. And it's kind of interesting because my I'm I'm a storyteller and my uh, I I actually I like I literally am a storyteller. <laughs> I get paid to tell stories. I am a messaging expert and brand storyteller. That's what I that's been my, you know, I'll talk as we get into it. I'll talk about my like post MLM journey in my career now. But a big part of it that that drew me to that and why I love telling stories and, and hearing stories and hearing other people's stories so much is because for so long, the culture in BWW was that you cannot tell your story until you reach a certain level until you go platinum. No one gets to hear your story. You are not worthy of our time. You are not worthy of our respect. You are not worthy of, you know, whatever. But when you were saying that, it just kind of made me think about like (laughs) that. And I I think about this a lot, too, is like, I wonder, like, why am I so obsessed with (laughs) with Right? Why are we so obsessed? But we are because they're such good stories that are so relatable. And you're so right. One thing that I think collectively as a group that some of our my guests and I have kind of come to the conclusion of is we're not brainwashed enough either before we're platinum. It's not just that we're not worthy, which you're so right. It's also that we're not going to speak our truth in a way that they want us to speak our truth. At least that's how it was in Worldwide too. Like you had to be certain pin levels to say things. Like if we were going out and talking to anybody, we couldn't ask certain people questions. We could only ask eagles and above questions. If people asked us questions, we were directed back to, hey, go ask your upline that question. I'm not the right person. 
Oh, okay. So this, that made me remember that every time that we were going to a conference or, you know, any kind of major event where we were going to be around like other people besides just those like in, you know, in an hour, our group, they would, we would be like pulling into town on a bus and someone would get over the loudspeaker on the bus and go through this whole thing about how, you know, what is okay to talk about and what is not okay to talk about. And uh, just basically saying that, like, if you're coming to this conference, then people are probably going to ask you, how long have you been doing this? How much money do you make? And, you know, stuff like that. So if they said, how long have you been doing this? The only acceptable answer was to say, I'm just getting started. (laughs) And then if you, yeah. Yeah. Um, because just thinking like their whole thing, they were like, we're always just getting started is kind of what they wanted you to. That was the the line that they wanted you to tell. And then if you were asked how much money are you making, the only acceptable response was you wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> no way. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That OK, that's funny because we were not taught that. But we definitely <laughs> had like micro stories that they would help us come up with. They're like, give a really brief brief description for me they would they would hit they make sure like bold capitalize italicize that I'm a single mom make sure that they know that you're a single mom doing this so that way it's it's motivational to them for some reason and it's like dude that's not like it's that's preying upon people which obviously in retrospect I see that now and uh well wait was that for like other IBOs that you met like at conventions or oh okay so they wanted you so this this is something that I've been thinking about lately too is that it's like this cycle of continuously recruiting someone even when they are already in business and yeah which is just like really weird to I don't know it's it's interesting because it's something I think about as a business owner and like I think about my clients and I think about there's a lot that that uh, out there about like you know the client experience that talks about how you should always be selling to your clients and treat your client like even once they've signed up once they've started working with you once they've paid you whatever like you are still selling to them because you which it makes sense from a standpoint of like they're not your friends necessarily you are not like best buddies with them they are a client they are paying you there has been exchange of money involved and that really you know affects the that the relationship and yeah like you can get personal it can get chummy it can get you know whatever But at the end of the day, like money, usually in my case, a pretty like large amount of money has exchanged hands and I need to honor that. And, you know, like if they, you know, call me or message me or whatever, like that needs to be like my first response. Like I can't ignore that the way that I would like a, you know, a friend or something like that. Um, not that I would ignore a client, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a very different type of relationship, even though, you know, even when you are working with someone really closely and you are kind of starting a friendship, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And you're right. It is constantly always selling, especially in those organizations, because you have to be excited. You, one, you have to convince yourself that you're still excited. And two, you have to show the other person that, 
this is exciting. You want to be here. We're all positive. We're all robots. We're all here yeah. with the same hive mind. We, we're all connected some way or another. And, and I think that's why it's so important to share our stories with Worldwide because yeah. I, I don't think either of us had any idea what kind of environment we were walking into. And real fast, how did you find the X's and T podcast? You posted something in one of the anti-MLM groups, either it might have been um, Roberta Blevins group, or it could have been the, so that's like the more serious group. I'm part like, uh, I feel like the Roberta Blevins group is like a little bit more, I think it's Life After MLM is the name of the, yes. the Facebook group. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, so that one is like more, I think about recovery, more about um talking like like education about these organizations and stuff and then there's like the fun one like the mean girls of the oh I think it was the fun one like I'm 90 percent sure it was the fun one your 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 MLM is not a small business Karen yep that's my favorite one if you guys I know if you haven't joined these Facebook pages please go join them because oh, one, yeah. you're building upon your community and, and it's not just Amway people like we do we have the ex-Amway Facebook group but there's also anti-MLMers out there who have been what they feel like as duped by these other MLMs. Like it's a whole big culture, you guys. It's not just Amway, but we just oh, happen yeah. to specialize in Amway. Honestly, being part of those groups will show like if you were in Amway, being part of those groups will show you how different and how crazy like other experiences like not that like your experience all of our experiences and ways were super fucking crazy but yeah other people's experiences were like just insane yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely well I'm happy to have connected with you and yeah I'm pretty sure it was the fun one that's one of my favorite ones because yeah. it's it's just funny goofy stuff and yeah. I started posting on there um like my breakdown of how much money I spent while I was in yes Worldwide. yes that, that it? was it yeah yeah, yeah, that was a good yeah. one because it's true. So I know, <laughs> I know. So I know that you have this fantastic career now, which really, like you said, was kind of like leaving Brit Worldwide was the catalyst for that. But where were you at before you found Brit Worldwide or I guess before they found you? Yeah, so it was a long time ago because I've already been out for about three years now and I was in for seven years. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so we're talking about like a good long decade ago. Um, so I had was fairly new. I live in New York City and I was fairly new to New York at that time. And the reason that I moved here was to start a travel and tourism company and that we conducted. So I, I moved here. I got my tour guide license and started this, uh, this company that, uh, we operated food and tasting tours in the ethnic enclaves of like the outer boroughs of the city. So like we would, you know, like I would do like a lot of student groups and stuff. And so we would like meet up, um, like somewhere in the city and then like all get on the train for 45 minutes and go to like, like, the outer parts of, of Brooklyn or Queens, like even in Staten Island. Um, I did tours in the Bronx as well, like all over um, just to give people like a cultural experience and get out like really, like really off the beaten path. And it was um, it was a lot of fun. And that was what I moved um, to New York to be able to do. And so I was just everywhere like I was you know like 
<laughs> I would talk about having like three or four borough days where I would be like in I live I've always lived in Queens and so I'd be like okay well it's no big deal to like come to Manhattan but it's two bars but if I hit up like Brooklyn or like and then like had to go to the Bronx or something or whatever like I would be like man I had a four borough day like I deserve a beer <laughs> yeah so uh, how did you meet your upline was it while you were kind of out and about yeah yeah, I was um, on the train. It was so my uh, my uplines lived one neighborhood over from me and we were I was coming home. Um, I was on my way home from from Brooklyn from like really, really deep, like in Brooklyn, like I probably had like, it was probably like an hour and a half train ride for for me from where I was because I was planning a tour with a student group there and I had to go and check out all the restaurants and stuff and like make sure that we were all good to go and whatever. So I was on my way back from that and I was like trying to learn the history of the neighborhood and stuff. So I had like my notebook, I had like these little like note cards and stuff that I was going over so I could like study on the train. And then, um, this guy and at the time <laughs> this is kind of funny but it's it's been interesting to this kind of speaks to how much like my neighborhood in Queens has changed over the past 10 years because when I first moved here it was very very uncommon for there so like Queens is like New York is obviously like a city of of immigrants um Queens especially I don't know if it still is. It probably still is. But for the longest time, like, Queens is kind of, like, claim to fame was that it is the most diverse borough of, like, all of them. And that you can find someone who's, like, every language in the world, you can find someone in Queens who speaks that language. So where I live in kind of, like, the, the outer parts of Queens, it used to be there, like, went past a certain stop, there were no more white people on the train. <laughs> And I remember noticing him because it was coming home and it was probably like like late evening, probably like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I was like, it is very uncommon for another white person to be on the train. He is probably like Russian or something like he probably does not speak English. Then he asked me if I knew what stop was next or something. I don't I don't know. And that was kind of like how the conversation got started. And I was like. I was honestly, like, really curious about him because I was like, I don't see people who look like me and talk like me <laughs> on yeah. the train past, the, you know, a certain point. So, like, what are you doing here? And <laughs> so... <laughs> Right, it's suspicious. What are you what are you doing? Right. Like what is your what is your deal? And yeah, so we just like hit it off. And so I remember I mean, I remember this conversation like clear as day. And he said, you know, I he was he asked me what I did and I was like, Well, I I have this business, like I moved here, you know, maybe I had only been living there for like a year or something at that point, And I had been trying to get that business off the ground. And I was so excited because the reason that I had been in Brooklyn and like looking at that neighborhood and stuff and like preparing for the student tour was because I had just gotten involved with um, doing student tours for NYU, which was a big client for me. And it was, um, it, you know, like I was nervous, like I wanted to get everything, you know, like I wanted to do everything right. And I wanted to be able to obviously like have repeat business with them and stuff, whatever. 
Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm planning this tour in Brooklyn, this like, you know, Russian and, uh, Ukrainian neighborhood in like near Coney Island. And, uh, we're going to eat this like really yummy food that you really can't get anywhere else. And uh, I just came back from that. And so I have to go back in the morning and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like I gave him the whole story because I was like, literally legitimately excited about what I was doing. And yeah. I had every reason to be, you know? And so I was like, yeah, here's my card. And so I gave him my card and I was like, oh yeah, like, so what do you do? And he was like, oh yeah, well, um, you know, I run a business. I have a business with a couple of friends. And I said, you know what, isn't it great to be, you know, kind of like in charge of your own life? And he was like, yes. So all of this to him was just like, I mean, like his little Amway boner was just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know exactly what his purpose was the moment you saw him now. You're like, I know now, why you're here. Yeah. And like how much of like a prime candidate I was to him because we targeted traditional business owners all the time, you know? Yeah. And so when he called me like the next day, excuse me. So when he called me the next day, it was – you know, like, hey, we are always looking. And I remember this was interesting, too, is that he said, um, we are always looking for new partners. And that was not language that was like, okay to use with really anyone else unless but he knew that I was already a business owner and that I might be receptive to that. So I was kind of like, um, okay, like, I don't really know, like, I don't really understand what you do. I was like, what do you like? Okay, like, what do you do? And he said something yeah. about like, distribution. And I'm like, I don't fucking know what distribution I remember. <laughs> like, I remember sitting in my living room, like with like my three three roommates at the time, <laughs> like, I was like, sitting, I was like, on the computer, like googling, like, what the fuck is distribution? Like, I don't know what yeah. this is. Yeah. It's so um, ambiguous. Right. So ambiguous. And so I was like, uh, okay. So I was knew that I was going to meet with this guy. And I remember so much like about, I even remember what I was wearing when I was going to, to meet with him. And we met at this place called the Pennsylvania Hotel, which is like, it's in Manhattan and it's like right in like Midtown. It's right across the street from Penn Station. Um, it's actually being turned into a mall as we speak. <laughs> um, it's no longer a hotel. I think it's, it's all like under renovation and stuff now. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know if the hotel part exists anymore. Um, but that was where they had in the very beginning. And in those days, that was where we had a lot of our, or, or BWW had a lot of their meetings out of that hotel. There was a lot wow. of conference space. And it was like it was sketchy at the time. <laughs> It was so sketchy. It was a hotel that, like, <laughs> like I mean, there was nothing wrong with the hotel. It's, it was actually, like, really – it's actually it – was, like, a really historic hotel. Um, But it had kind of turned – it was kind of run down. And it was basically, like, the place where if you were coming to New York with your, like, band trip <laughs> or your, like, orchestra trip in high school – um, that was where you would stay. Yeah. <laughs> because on it a was, budget. <laughs> right. Because it was on a budget and it was, it, you know, it was super cheap and it was right in the middle, like, you know, of, of everything. So you could get to like where, wherever you needed to go easily from there. Um, so yeah, I went to the lobby of the Pennsylvania hotel and it was also like, I would say like a, a good place for you to meet with strangers, which was, you know, 
if this random dude from the train tells me that he wants to meet in the lobby of the Pennsylvania Hotel, like, I know where that is. I know that there's, like, millions of people in and out of there all day. I mean, that's like saying, like, let's meet in Grand Central Station. Like, there's so many people. Like, I'm not going to feel sketched out or, you know, okay. whatever. <laughs> So yeah, 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 yeah. And so there was a little coffee shop there. I, they bought me a cup of coffee, a like super cheap cup, cup of coffee, and they just showed me the plan. Like it took probably about an hour, maybe a little bit longer. And they like drew. He drew everything out. Talked about like the selling products and the which I wasn't really excited about. Like selling products, I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't really care. Um, but like the ability to create new businesses was exciting to me. I remember, obviously that's like not what we were really doing, but, um, one thing that I was getting from like my tour, um, my tourism company at the time is that I found that I didn't really love working with like clients and stuff. And like, I, I enjoyed like being out and about, I enjoyed like all of like the research parts of the tours and stuff. And like that it got, like I learned so much from it. It was like so enriching to me to like get out of the house, like go all over the city, like, you know, check out all these new places and stuff. But I just didn't really love like the people that came on the tours. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of them were like kind of annoying or they would come up and they'd be like, well, I'm a vegan and I don't eat this and this and this and this. And I'm like, you signed up for a food tour in like Chinatown. Like, what do you think we're going to (laughs) eat? So he really found you kind of at prime time where you're already considering the fact that you're like, I love this, but I only love aspects of it. And when he showed you the plan and you said that that you could create new businesses, which I would imagine is you recruiting your downline is yeah. probably what that is, right? Right. Okay. So was that the part that appealed to you the most of it? Or like which part was it you're like, I want to do that? That, um, well, I didn't like, I didn't walk away knowing like, oh, I want to do that. You know, I, it's okay. kind of funny. I don't know if I ever felt like, oh, I want to do that. I was just kind of like, they, one thing that I do remember sticking out to me, like once I finally understood what it was exactly that we did with the products and stuff, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So now I'm not buying my stuff from like Target or wherever, which is sad, but because <laughs> I love Target, but yeah. like I can buy my products from this place and I'm going to get paid a little bit for it too. And then if I have other people do the same thing, they'll get paid a little bit for it too, which is great. It seemed very like no brainer to me. And even yeah. like, even now when I say that, I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, and I kind of it feel does. like, I kind of wonder some, I'm like, what if we all just decided to, what if we just had like a massive Facebook group and all just decided like, we are going to all join Amway and we're just going to buy like our hundred dollars or whatever worth of stuff. (laughs) Well, a hundred dollars wouldn't get you very far. It would probably have to be like $300 worth of stuff, but whatever. Like I definitely buy $300 worth of stuff, you know, every month now. So like, what if everybody just did that and we all just decided like this is what we're going to do then they would actually have to pay us <laughs> and would. if we just did yeah. that without the you know bullshit of the like tools and whatever exactly like, yeah yeah 
I thought yeah. that too, because I was like, okay, the, the, I love the way though, that they say you're reallocating funds. I was a single mom at the time. I was not spending what they wanted me to spend on personal products. Right. So when right. they said, oh, and the way they explained it, the way you just explained it, it's exactly the bare bones of yeah. how they explain it to you. And that sounds fantastic. To, I mean, you're right. It's like you're telling somebody who's already like tired and, and, and doesn't really love what they do or they're considering this new option. And, and you literally just tell them you're just buying stuff from here. And you're getting yeah. a little kickback and you get more of a kickback when you get other people to also buy their stuff yeah. there. Yeah. Sounds great. That's not, <laughs> that's I know. it. But that's the Amway side of things. That not is that not exactly. The, it, yeah. yeah. That's not the tools business side of things. And I think that's why I always say like, Hey, my beef is not with Amway because Amway is just the distribution company. They're the ones who have their specific, yeah. um, program that they have and how they pay people and, and things like that. Yeah. But when it comes to these tools businesses, they really explain it in a way that's going to get you hooked, but it's like a bait and switch. They really start you off. Yes. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. And then you, and then you don't. And so when you were first getting into Brit worldwide, I guess when you first got launched into business, were you having like uh, meeting quotas? Were you having to like download certain apps? What did that look like? So in so this was like in 2012, I want to say it was probably like when I first got started and we were expected to go to one meeting per week and which was at the Pennsylvania Hotel. <laughs> and so like I went to that meeting, like I went to a lot of those meetings, like even though I'd already gotten started, I mean, honestly, like. To get started, then it was $160. And that was like not very much money to me. Like, I was like, I mean, it's not to like sneeze at that amount of money or whatever. Like, it wasn't nothing, but it wasn't like, all right, if I lose $160, like, you know, do you know how much money I've lost? Like, or just not lost necessarily, but just like with my tour company and just do through like trial and error and stuff. Like, it didn't yeah. feel like. You know, I was like, oh, all right, whatever. And they were very clear about, like, you can get that money back, like, if you decide that, you know, this isn't right for you or whatever. And that was just to Amway. None of – they hadn't started anything with, like, this is what you have to pay BWW or whatever. But I do remember, like, one thing was that when I – I think it was my second – um group meeting that I went to at that hotel. And these were like, literally hundreds and hundreds of people were coming to these meetings multiple times a week. It wow. was insanity back then. Like it, I, I yeah. <laughs> it and they was, costed money, didn't they? So it was $7 per oh meeting. And that's but every if week. Were, if it was your first time um, you obviously, you know, you didn't pay if you were like someone's guest or whatever. Um, and like no one paid for the guests. Like it was just like, okay, it's, it's, you're a guest. It's your first time. And so I remember it was my second time and I hadn't gotten started in business yet. And I, but I was going to the meeting and this is what I thought that was kind of weird is that they wanted, they really wanted me to come to this meeting again. And I was like, I already went to that. Like, I don't understand like why you want me to go again. And they were like, oh, we go every week. And I was like, 
but okay, I sure I get like what else am I doing? Like sure, I guess I can come. All right, whatever. And so there was like this whole like checking in process, and I was I was I was just staying there like I wasn't even paying attention. I was just like you know whatever like staying in this line, and then I got up and they were like, "Is this your first time?" And I said, "Oh no, I came last week." And then this guy was like. Okay, it'll be $7. I was like, what? What for? And he was like, it's just like the cost of the room and everything. And I was like, okay. Like, he was like, are you a, are you a business owner? I was like, no. Like, I did not know that this was going to be like a thing. And it was like very clear that I was like not getting through the door unless I paid this guy $7. And so like I had a lot of cash back then because of my tours. Like people would give me tips and stuff. So I was like, okay. Um, so (laughs) I gave my $7, but I like went immediately when I found my upline inside, I was like, why did, what, what is this money for? Like, what am I paying for? This was not like, you know, this, nobody, nobody told me this, like, this was not something that I was prepared to do. And, you know, like I've always been pretty like diligent about budgeting and stuff. So whatever. So that was like really weird, a red flag, but he was like, he got me the money back. I mean, he made this whole thing of, like, how, let me go talk to them and, like, see if I can get your money back. And so the whole thing just seemed really weird to me. I was like, okay. I'm weird. And I guarantee you they would not have given him money back from that. He definitely, definitely gave me that money just, like, from his, like, from his own pocket. Yeah. I mean, like, good for him for doing that because that lack of transparency right there, that is – I guess in retrospect, like a huge red flag. And yeah. the fact that you guys had to pay for every weekly meeting yeah. boggles my mind because we had like what it sounds like those are for you guys was what we had like quarterly or like maybe like twice a month. We'd have rallies where the diamonds would come in and we would have to pay back then $10 for the board plan, which was only for business owners. And then another $10 at the end with um, the board plan where you could bring a guest. Guests, of course, at that time, yes, were free. Sure. But I learned recently that it has gone up. It is now $20 for the first half, $20 for the second half. Whoa. That's twice as much. And that was only three years ago, four years ago that this happened, that I was paying that amount. And I'm just wondering, like, like you, where the hell is that money going to? Covers maybe a conference room and a half twice over again. With how many people you're bringing? I never thought about that until – so this was like years later when I got out. I was – someone like explained to me like what exactly they do with that money. And and our location had changed so many times over like in the seven years. And it was was just so much – I mean there's so much going on. This is why these groups are designed like that to keep you so busy and exhausted that you're not thinking about these things. You're not thinking critically. We paid seven – no matter where we were meeting – even in some like shitty like VFW hall that was like crumbling and did not even have a functioning bathroom, it was still like the seven dollars, and you're just like, okay, whatever. It was never enough money for you to be like, oh, I can't like like I I can't swing this or something. But yeah, it you know it, it was just kind of like, uh, all right, fine, whatever. Like it's you know the like the cost of a start well Starbucks wasn't even Starbucks might be seven dollars now, but <laughs> yeah, it was. You're back right. Then. It is such a small amount that you don't question it right and and at that time and and I I don't know if it was the same with Brit Worldwide but I know that I wouldn't have dared questioned it like the way that they kind of like do everything you're just like 
oh, I, I can't question this. Like, this yeah. is just how things roll. Like you said, yeah. you're not thinking critically. And so when and they you always, go and yeah. have... Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was going to say, and like being in New York, they always had the saying, like, well, you know, it's New York. Like, this is, you know, the, like, it's really expensive to rent rooms and stuff like that. And it's like, and, you know, and I'm kind of like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> of course it's expensive. Right. And then I, I did ask one time, like, so what if you have money left over? And they said that would go to the speaker as just kind of like a, like a tip if they are, if there's, if there's anything left over. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. Like, I guess if I were speaking or if they said first, like to cover the travel of the people that like come and speak, because sometimes people would come from like Long Island or like Pennsylvania or Connecticut or wherever. And so they talked about like, you know, covering the travel for them. And then if there's anything left over, they divide it amongst the speakers as, as like a tip. Okay. Here's what was actually happening with that money. The um, And this was like years later when we had a much smaller group and we were meeting kind of like at our own like designated location. And it was a – it's like this Catholic group. The Knights – it was the Knights of Columbus Hall. And um, it was very – it was it was clean. It was fine. Whatever. Um, there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, it was just like kind of out of the way. And – it was cheap and you could tell that it was cheap. And, um, but you know, like we got, we had a weekly standing, you know, like we Monday nights are our thing where it didn't come in there. So, you know, that because it's like repeat business, you know, that they got a deal for, they were not paying the full price of, you know, if yeah. you were going to rent it for like a birthday party on a Saturday afternoon or something like we were paying significantly less. It's a fucking Monday. And, you know, we're coming every week. And so, and, but even if, like, I called one time and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about, um, I'm looking at locations for my parents' anniversary party. And um, what is this, this room? $50 an hour. And I was like, oh, interesting. And that's how much it would have been for, like, an actual party where I am bringing, like, food and drink. And, you know, have to, you're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to do all this stuff. And I don't know. I mean, they didn't say if there would have been, like, an extra, like, cleaning fee or whatever. But obviously, like, sure. we weren't bringing in food and drink. We weren't, you know, they weren't have to clean. We did the chairs. We did, you know, the, the setup and, like, breakdown and stuff we did, we did on our own. So uh, there was no yeah. way that that was even $50, that that was anywhere near $50 an hour for that meeting. And even if it was... Only $50? Like, are you kidding me? And then you had 30 to 40 people coming every week bringing you $7. That was how our Diamond Uplines bought groceries. I guarantee you that was because of the way that, you know, Amway and BWW were set up. Nobody was making money from their Amway businesses. Nobody. Maybe they made like $20,000 a year, if that, from their Amway businesses. It was obviously, it was all from BWW. And one of the ways to make money in BWW, if you didn't have, you know, like you would have you, I think you asked before about the apps and stuff. And so it was, there was this one app for um, listening to the talks. And then there was an app, which I can't remember what the name of that one was, but it was basically like a, it was basically like a podcast subscription and you got like 
one credit a week to download a talk. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You got one talk sent to you every week. And then you had one or two, maybe a month where you there were like bonus and you could just like download whatever you wanted. So basically like five or six talks a month. And then there were um, it actually started out. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to correct myself. When I first started, that was on CDs. They were literally CDs. This was in like 2012. Oh, yeah. You got a CD, like a physical CD. And I am so mad at myself because like when I was getting, when I was getting out and I was like mad about all this, I threw away all of those CDs and I yes. wish that I still have them so bad. Oh, like it kills me that I threw those away. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So I'm going to say this for legal purposes, allegedly, um, so how, how they were getting paid. And the only reason I say that is just because I don't want to get sued. But no, you're um, right. I mean, we don't know. Like suspected. Yeah. yeah it really it, is, especially after COVID. Like, I and I wish there was more transparency towards that. Because if there was more transparency where they're like, hey, when you reach a certain pin level, guess what? You're going to get royalties on these um, audios that are going to come out. You're going to be paid as a speaker X amount. Like, I mean, that was talked I, how about. How much more appealing? Yeah. I mean, that was talked about a little bit. Um, like, one thing my upline would say a lot was like, there are three ways to get paid in Amway. One is off of your the, the product that you buy. And then another one is off of the product that you sell, like the retail margin. You, you know, like if you buy a case of excess for $25 and you sell it for $30, like obviously you made $5. Um, and then the third way was like off of what your downline sold, bought and sold. Um, those were the three. So it was like, there are three ways to make money in Amway. Well, there's actually 27 ways, but we don't want to confuse you. So yes. that was with BWW had apparently 27 different ways that you could make money off of, like literally off of your downline, off of them directly giving you money, not just like, you know, I bought a product and then you get a kickback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, and a lot of that too, they say it so ambiguously too. So that way there's no concrete proof, unfortunately, yeah. that they get paid this way. But I'm telling you, I, I buy it. I believe that, that, that oh, yeah. theory, the alleged, you know, thought behind it, but it just makes so much sense. Like you can't, there's no way. Cause like you said, there's just spending so much money. And, and yeah. now that like, <laughs> we're so fired up about the money that we're spending. <laughs> so I have to go back a little bit yeah. when you were going to these meetings and you were enjoying your time, you know, there, I think, I feel like everybody has a honeymoon phase and I'm curious as to what yours looked like and, and what was it that you liked about the business and were you selling the product? Were they pushing retail or personal use? You know, what what kinds of things did you like and, and what were you doing at that time? So uh, I always stayed very, very true to what they told me in the beginning. Like, this is your, like, like they said, like in the very beginning, like the very first plan, it was like a hundred PV per month commitment. Like that's the minimum that you have to make to get paid. So I'd be like, great. Like, and you know, they would say like, you don't stockpile products and stuff like that. I would be like, great. I don't stockpile products. Like I just buy what I need every month. And I was like, so I guess like cheap with or, or smart really about what I bought is that I would 
so like my mom was always really supportive of me and if I was you know she kind of looked at it she was like all right I'm gonna buy dish soap anyway so I might as well buy dish soap from my daughter and laundry detergent and stuff like that so like I had like my whole family you know like at the beginning of the month I would say like hey this like what do you want like what do you need (laughs) do you need laundry detergent do you need whatever you know and like my family would buy that and then whatever I didn't sell I would, you know, buy like my own laundry detergent or like I would get a, you know, something for like skincare or whatever. Um, I really, I, that was when I got into skincare. I am like, you know, still ob- obsessed with, with skincare. And that was kind of like what started that like catalyst. <laughs> so I would, you know, buy something for myself or whatever. And, but I never spent, like, I never stockpiled products. I never like bought more than than I needed like if I ever did buy more than I needed it was just like I want to be able to have like an excess like every morning when I wake up or something (laughs) yeah you know like it was like I considered those things like luxuries like I would be like okay well now like I you know got a new job so like now I can afford to take the double x vitamins or something like that like I was not I was very like true to what they told me when I first got started even though they tried yeah. to switch it up so many times and I would ask I would be like so um you said like this was about you know like just buying what you need and you know what your family needs or whatever so like why are you why why are you what are you doing like now you're telling me that you placed like a 750 pv order which would be like 20, probably around $3,000 worth of products every month. What the fuck are you buying? Like you don't have any kids. You don't. And if you're telling me that both you and your partner and you're single and you're not like, like you're you're not single, like you and your partner, if like you and your partner are both placing 700 PV orders, what the hell are you using all that for you know yes yeah but I never did I I was like nope that's not what you told me not gonna do it not gonna do it you're so (laughs) smart you're so right though because so with us just in ret- just looking back and I'm like, I remember how much Amway product I still had left over after I left. I mean, it took me forever to either like some of it. I was just like, this is trash. I want to get rid of it. Like no offense, Amway, no offense, but some of your <laughs> products were not my favorite. Your makeup sucked in my opinion, personal opinion. Anybody who likes it, that's fine. I did not love it. Okay. I didn't love it. I, it all went in the trash. When I quit. <laughs> and then, but I still had like laundry detergent left over. Like, and, and the thing was, is like, I was so like broke by that time where I was still trying to put together a ditto order. So they yeah. would tell us buy the most PV for the least amount of money. That right. was the vitamins. So the amount of vitamins I had in my house for me, for my children, and and nobody, my parents were not supportive. My dad was like the biggest negative person and he was not about it. And he, he, he didn't want to buy anything for me. My stepmom, same thing. She was like, I don't support this. I don't want you in this. And it, a lot of it was just like because of how I was because of the cult-like environment really. But the th- I'm telling you, Amway products for like a year because I had them out my ears. We had to do 200 PV a month if we were a single. That is $600 in Amway products, which if you know Amway products, they're pretty expensive, but 
that's a huge order. That yeah. was usually two cases of excess. We had to have enough excess for our guests. We had to have extra for our upline in case they needed it. Like we were supposed to have so much product that we could provide for everybody else and ourselves. I never gave like occasionally like if I really liked the person or if I knew them as like like if they came to like one of my tours or something or I don't know if I really liked the person I would give them an excess but I was so stingy with my stuff. I would. But that's so smart. I would, give, I would make my upline give them stuff. But that, I mean, honestly, it sounds like you really got it because you were a business owner. You understood exactly what the instructions were. Like, you knew. I understood you, the, you assignment. the assignment. You were, yeah. yeah, you did. You got it. You were ready. And so with this whole, which is so crazy. So I'm... <laughs> Um, which is actually a good point that I wanted to, um, something you said made me want to, oh yeah, you were talking about how like I was a business owner and like understood the assignment. And I, that's a good point because I felt like we had crazy uplines. Like we are platinum uplines, um, Jim and Summer out of, this was another thing that was weird is that our, like here, I was in New York City my, you know, direct, like, like, direct sponsor uplines, you know, whatever, Daniel and Mark were also in New York City, we were building a very small, it was literally just us. And that was like, part of what made the beginning of this, this, you know, this journey so much fun is because it was like, we were just a group of like, ragtag entrepreneurs renting like a murderer van for like as little money as possible god knows that thing right. probably should not have run uh, should not have been on Which the road is, for eight hours right driving to the conferences in richmond virginia just having a great old time and sleeping like six people to a hotel room and you know whatever it was fun it reminded me of so I was I, in high school I did speech and debate and it was very similar like on a school bus we would leave on like a Thursday afternoon we didn't have to go to school on Friday if we had a tournament so like we would drive to another school we would stay in a shitty hotel as many people as possible into one room yeah. and it was just so much fun and like the conversations you're tired you're whatever like you're having like you know all of these like wild conversations about your hopes and dreams and stuff it was the exact same thing which is why I had so much fun in the beginning. So what I will leave off with is that uh, after a while, the situation with with Jim and, you know, he was we had we had no supervision is is what what made it fun. You know, there were yeah. so many rules in BWW, for example, like, um, you know, uh, the the no alcohol thing. I mean, we weren't drinking or it wasn't like we were drinking at any of these like meetings or conferences or whatever. I mean, we were so tired. Like, why would you you know, why would you want to? And there were also a lot of young people that weren't even 21 yet. So, like, that wasn't even yeah. a question. But, like, that was one of the weird rules. Another one of the weird rules is that um, women had to wear skirts. Yes. <laughs> you yep. had to wear not just a skirt, a fucking dress. You had to wear a dress. Yep. And I had been in business for, like, probably, like, four years before I ever heard that. And I was like, what? Um, you had to do your hair a certain way. You had to, um, yep. which was a big problem for, we had a lot of people on our team. I mean, I was, like, one of four white people on the team. 
And for me to do my hair, like for me to straighten my hair or whatever, it's like no big deal. Like I'll just blow dry it or, you know, make it like get a blowout, make it look nice. That's fine. But like for somebody else, you know, to have to straighten their hair and told you your hair has to look a certain way, like that is not okay. New York City literally passed laws against that. You cannot tell people how yeah. to do their hair in a way that it does not in a way other than than how it grows naturally out of their head yes so yeah so there are all these weird rules that like I wasn't privy to because of the nature of our situation which we had our upline in Arizona we were out here no supervision just living life trying to build the dream whatever as time went on, though, it became very obvious that this guy, Jim, was not well. This goes deeper then, which so we're at an hour and this is this is so juicy. You guys, yeah. we're going to we're going to keep this going in part two, which I didn't even plan for a part two. But we love a part two yes. because I feel like there's so much good information. Meredith, thank you so much for coming here, giving us the first half of the tea because there's yes. more. I mean, there's I know so what it is. Tea. But there's so much more. So um, where can everybody follow you at? So um, my name on Instagram is probably where I'm the most active on, you know, Instagram and, of course, Facebook. Like, I'm an aging millennial. So I am active on Facebook. I'm Meredith Adams on Facebook. On uh, Instagram, I am Cactus Girl Media, which is the name of my company. Um, Also, CactusGirlMedia.com. You can find me there. That's... That's me. <laughs> yes, I will link all of that as well. And I'm really excited in part two. Um, Meredith has some great information about her website coming out too. So you, yeah. if you haven't listened to your favorite part yet, that will be your favorite part. You have to come yeah. back for that. So <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at X's and T underscore podcast. TikTok at X's and T underscore podcast. We started a YouTube channel. Go subscribe. I will post the link to that as well. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. <laughs>